Hello, 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 everybody. I am Pedro. And I'm Meredith. And this is Gritty Reboot. And today we are finally finishing up the giant massive work by Stephen King, It. We are doing today It Chapter 2 from 2019, correct? Yeah, 2019. 2019. And this will complete this entire run of covering Stephen King's second most mammoth novel, It. I'm a little What's this first? The Stand. Oh. The Stand. Damn. Yeah, The Stand is bigger. The Stand, you, you couldn't do into really two movies like you can this one. Damn. I mean, I guess you could. You just had to cut it down a whole bunch. I've... I've seen the miniseries for The Stand. One day we'll cover The Stand. I've seen the miniseries for The Stand. I remember that pretty vividly from when I was a kid. And I remember I actually had not got a chance to see the updated version with, uh, I think, Stellan Skarsgård as uh, Flag and I think Catherine McNamara is in it. I don't know who else is, but uh, I think it was, it was, it's all on Paramount Plus. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's on Paramount Plus. So, I mean, we'll probably check it out sometime in the next year. We probably won't do King anymore. No, we need to relax on King. Yeah, no, no, no more King for a little bit. So we had a real rash of King stuff. So obviously, this week there's no real. How did we get to know about what's it called? Because uh, we saw the movie together and we thought it was okay. I didn't like it. Yeah, we thought it was okay at the time. So, and that that was about the best we could really, really hope for. In all honesty, so yeah, my opinion hasn't necessarily changed as we got a second chance to to view the film. I didn't like it. Mm. Well, I guess let's go ahead and get into it then. Something happens to you when you leave this town. The farther away, the hazier it all gets. But me, I never left. I remember all of it. Yeah, I just, uh, like we talked about the other day, I mean, the plot is warmed over. It's reheated from the first movie. Yeah. Um, there's only, the only thing that they that's different is the fucking uh, Native American bullshit. Yeah. Which is yeah. cheesy and out of place. And it might be in the book. I'm sorry, it's, but that's... It's ugh. not It's not really in there. Um, there's a lot of stuff about the lore, Pennywise, but that tries to combine a few things into, I guess, what they think is going to be palatable for the film. Because the, the miniseries has a little bit more of a truer ending to the book, I suppose. Yeah. But even that's not 100% accurate either, obviously. There's a lot of stuff in the book about, you know, going into the vastness of space, into the mind of Pennywise and stuff like that. And you really can't do that in a book. I mean, in, in a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not not going to work. I think they they tried to work around it and... You know, the movie does have a running joke about not being able to have a good ending. And I think this movie's ending is just fair at best. Yeah. So I, I think that's one thing that certainly does hurt it. Acting is still really good. Yeah, I, I think so. Got some really good uh, adult actors to mimic the the child actors. They look similar, especially Bill Hader and <laughs> Finn Wolfhard. Eddie, I think. And Eddie, yeah, yes, Casper. Yeah, they're, they're, they're cast almost perfectly. Like, yeah. They do a graphic match at one point, and the cut really looks like that it is the same person aged yeah. 30 years. It, they, they do a really fantastic job, so. Yeah, they really did good with casting. Mm-hmm. So I can give it its praise there. 
The movie looks good. Too much CGI. Yeah, yeah. There's an incredible amount of CGI in the movie, and I, I was never really sold by it, and I think it hurts some of the, the scares and the scenes in this movie. Yeah. It's just not my favorite element of this film by any means. It's all the special effects they choose to use for a lot of the scares. Yeah. And that really some works to you, his detriment. Yeah. Some of it you could definitely have done. Probably. Some of it I think does work. I think Pennywise Spider, I think that works. Yeah. I think that's a good, when he's enormous, I think that's a really good effect. Mm-hmm. You know, they did really good mocap on what's his face to get his likeness really captured on that big spider head. Skarsgård? Yeah, it does a great job. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's my, oh God, it's hard for me to say because I love Tim Curry, but he's my favorite it. Yeah, he does a fantastic job really making the role of Pennywise his own. Yeah. And that that's tough to do because, like I said, there is a legendary performance already in mm-hmm. in the book, you know. I mean, you know, in the books. And Tim Curry is the real highlight of that miniseries. I think people who don't even really like the miniseries or like ABC TV movies can appreciate the work that Tim Curry put into the role. I just think um, Skarsgård is creepier. I really do believe that he is. However, if you're being a little bit closer to the book, Pennywise isn't necessarily creepy when he's the clown. That's what the the scary stuff is for. Hmm. You know, and one of the things I I did want to mention is, you know, the scares change here because Pennywise is really based a lot of his monsters off of what kids in the 1950s would have been afraid of. Mm -hmm. And that would have been like, you know, Frankenstein, uh, Dracula. Yeah, those old universal monster movies. So he would have used the forms of those a lot, just looking infinitely more real. And that's basically how it's told throughout the the book. And so, and, and you see a little bit of the miniseries with the werewolf. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things to where, obviously, you don't really want to do that in an updated version. And Pennywise does update with the times. Because even in the book, in one of the later chapters, they do talk about one of the kids seeing the shark from Jaws in the Barrens. Uh-huh. So he would have updated his monster with whatever you were afraid of at the time. Yeah. So th- that's just something to, to sort of note because this movie does have a nice reference uh, later off in the film when we get into it. And that does sort of hold with that theory of trying to scare them with something that they would find scary. Yeah. So it's interesting. Cool. Well, let's work into it. All right. How's this thing start? It starts on September of 1989. The gang is talking about Bev's dream, about them being older and they make the pact. So, yeah, we get a little bit of a flashback. And it's really brief. The movie is sort of obsessed with going back in time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is very interesting. You know, because the movie really doesn't... The movie can't pick a timeline that it really wants to be in. And I think that's unfortunate because the first one doesn't have this problem. And so th- this is already the beginning of it. We'll get a quick little flashback. Nothing wrong with this, but it will get worse as we go on. Yeah, it's, gets it gets choppy. Get worse as we go on. A narrator comes on with some philosophical bullshit. We're at, and then we're at the carnival. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's from the book. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's from the Probably. If you're Stephen King. But yeah, th- this also is in the book, and this is one of the introductory chapters. At the carnival? Yeah. Is it two gay guys? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's how it's portrayed how in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, well, you know, Stephen King, he, he'll put gay people in there, but it's usually for them to get murdered or yeah. a hate crime against them. But they, they will certainly be in there, but... Yes, yes, they are a gay couple, and as you might guess, Stephen King goes into great detail about them, and it's a little bit of a tragic story because, like, they're happy in Derry. One of them wants to get out of Derry because he kind of knows what it is, but 
The other one, he finds the small town kind of quaint after living in New yeah. York for a long time. They're really getting along quite well. There, there is real tragedy some got in the story. Some good chemistry between those actors. Yeah, to, to to really sell that, and you know, there's a lot of homophobia, of course, obviously in the attack, but even in the book follows up with a police investigation of this as well, and oh, there's okay. the homophobia in that. Yeah, you even get the trial and everything in the book. So wow. Yeah, you find it. Yeah, they they go to jail for a long time for killing what's his face. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, because nobody. It was be- a brutal attack. No, nobody believes them about the clown. So I like the intro. I like this introduction. You get to see Pennywise. You see the brutality of the attack. The guy, the kids running away, and then Pennywise taking his his at the end. And it's he's not just feasting on kids. He's feasting on adults. He'll eat whoever. I mean, yeah. that, that sort of thing. He'll, he'll eat anybody. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. That's Pennywise's first emerging. So he's as hungry as could possibly be. So that's just someone stumbling right into his web, basically. And I, I like the way it's shot with him. Just, you know, that the only figure yeah. right there. Just like, oh, free free dinner. <laughs> that's enjoyable. And like I said, this is pretty well captured from how it was done in the book, even with a thousand balloons that come up. Yeah. That's one of the issues of contention because, like, the police in there are trying to put those guys away for that murder. But even though the gay guy has no reason to cooperate with their story, he says he saw the clown in a thousand red balloons as well. Mm-hmm. Pennywise eats out the gay guy's heart while his partner watches. Balloons are everywhere. Balloons. And then we're with Mike, and he's listening in on the police scanner. He goes to the scene and sees, come home on the bridge. So this is a message that Pennywise does leave. I I don't know if it was here. I think it may have been. But Mike is investigating, obviously, in the book. He's he's very much annoying the cops yeah. with his questions and things like that. He seems like he Yeah, be, well, you know, because you don't, because you just read a murder on the page. You're like, okay, did somebody's dad go crazy or did, is this Pennywise? You know, calling the cops up with questions like, so did the footprints lead to a sewer grade or a drain? And like, what, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, I don't know. What, what do you want, asshole? Like, it's a lot of that. with, And I could understand the police's perspective. And, of course, you know, they're looking to close cases as quickly as possible, not open up questions to, you know, supernatural crime yeah. killings. So they, they, they have their job to do. And uh, a little bit of that is carried here. But obviously that has to be condensed. Even though this movie is three hours, there's still some things you got to chop out. Mm-hmm. We're with Bill and his wife. And she's a famous actress. And he's writing the script for her movie. And Bill is played by James McAvoy. Yeah, so McAvoy is a really good get for them, but I don't think he does a fantastic job. No, as he's phoning Bill. it in. Yeah, I, I just I don't really feel it from the character. And there's a few differences here, and, and we'll get to them as we move on. Where I think his character becomes a lot less relatable. Yeah. Than certainly the book version. Now the miniseries version is whatever. I mean, he he's, he's sort of lost when he open mouth kissed. Yeah. <laughs> Beverly, like, whoa, man, aren't you married? Yeah. What are you doing open mouth kissing somebody? What the fuck's the matter to you? <laughs> that's kind of weird. Yeah, listen, if he'd have done it to Richie, I'd have been like, oh, it's just how he is. But that's not how it worked. <laughs> Mike calls Bill, and he... <laughs> this is so stupid. He feels his scar burn. So, in the book, he doesn't realize he has a scar. And I think it's up for debate if he didn't just couldn't see it, or if it just came back. Because there's a later chapter where I swear his wife says his scar, he has a scar in his hand that was never there. And someone's like, you probably just didn't notice it. And maybe she didn't. I, I don't know how the, the magic and power Weird. of Pennywise works. But yes, that is a reference to that. He's trying to see that on, feel it on his hand. Yeah, he sees a scar burning on his hand. We're with Eddie as an adult. And he gets a call by Mike. 
And then Eddie proceeds to get in a car accident because he's so distraught by what Mike is saying. So a couple of minor changes here. I think he does risk assessment is what he does. For yeah, he's company. like an insurance agent. And, and he ran a very successful limo company in the book. And uh, I don't, actually, his job is not mentioned in the miniseries, right? No. Yeah, but say I, I don't believe they ever mentioned it. But that's about the only change here. Obviously, Bill's the, the Stephen King stand-in. And we did forget to mention, we get a, a cameo by Jess Wexler, who we know from a film that we've seen called Teeth. Mm-hmm. About a, movie called, a movie about the vagina dentata, a, a pussy with teeth, basically. Yeah. And that's what the movie is. I, I, I quite enjoy the film. I know you're not high in it. Yeah. But we also get uh, the late Peter Bogdanovich uh, playing the director. And uh, it's just a nice little cameo from him as well. But we do keep that storyline fairly true from the book. Fairly true. But this is done in a very different way. You know, I think the one thing that we lose here is any connection with Bill's wife. Mm-hmm. And in the miniseries, as in the book, she eventually does come to Derry and is captured by Pennywise and exposed to the deadlights until she's catatonic. Yeah. And we, we don't get an equivalent to that storyline in this movie. Yeah. There are visitors to Derry, and the only one that we continue to get is, is Bowers. You know, and that, that, that I, that's a little unfortunate, but I think her storyline kind of helps. It gives Bill extra motivation. So the movie has to find Bill's motivation in other places. And I think it goes wrong in a lot of those places. Mm-hmm. But let's continue on. Agreed. Where? Oh, I have to mention they connect the mother and his wife because they're played literally by the same actress. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a nice because it is heavily not. It's not implied. Stephen King just fucking says he married a woman just like his mother. Yeah. Like he literally says it three or four times and then describes her giant breasts because that's just how Stephen King rolls. But the thing about it is this movie does that really well. You capture that information visually quickly. And <laughs> I do like that. And he's incredibly well played. Mm-hmm. Incredibly well played. Richie, played by Bill Hader. Best performance in the film. Hands down. And there's an Oscar winner in this cast. Hands an down. An Oscar winner who I love in this cast. And he gives the best performance. He throws up after getting called by Mike. And his hands are shaking. He goes up to the guy that's opening the curtain and he says, look at my hands. And his hands are just shaking. This is sort of talking about like once they get those calls, the memories come flooding back and everything. The fear and everything from Pennywise comes back. But in the book, it's very clear that these emotions come back and some flashes, but not everything does. It takes time for that to come back. Yeah. And that is how we get the story told from the kids because mm-hmm. they remembered those things and, and it fits a little bit more organically. This movie doesn't have that. So it's just the story. He's a comedian. So he's doing a show. And that's a lateral move from him being a radio disc jockey with racist accents. He has a hundred. Seriously, every exit in the book is like him doing racist Chinese guy or slave black man. Like those are all the voices that he does as a radio DJ. He would be totally canceled today. Mm-hmm. Bill Hader's character is a comedian and he's up on stage and he's at a show and he forgets the joke that he's thinking because he's thinking of the past. Mm. Now we're with Ben at a business meeting. And we get a little bit of a rope-a-dope here because the guy that they're showing on screen, you think is Ben because he looks like somebody who would be Ben. Yeah. But it's not. Ben is actually like this skinny, douchebag-looking guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think Ben is a real uh, misstep in this movie because, in my opinion, like, well, he's my favorite character in the book. I I like Ben a lot, and I just don't feel that from this film version. I remember when I read the book, I was like, why can't I remember Ben at all in this movie? And now I kind of remember why. It's a fairly forgettable performance. I mean, he doesn't suck or anything like that. It's just, like I said, forgettable. Ben is at a business meeting, and Mike calls. And then we go to Stanley. Mike now calls Stanley after his wife just booked them a trip to Buenos Aires. So they're living their lives. They're having a good old time. Mike calls Stanley. And he's terrified. 
and he doesn't want to go. Yeah, so this always hits Stanley pretty hard, you know, and the reaction is the same in, in, in pretty much every version. Mm-hmm. He just can't go back and keep that promise, so he has to kill himself in the tub. Yeah, he draws a bath. He thinks of Bill. He's reminded of his promise, and then he slits his wrists and dies in the tub. But apparently before this moment, he's able to write a letter. We'll yeah. get to that later. Oh my God. He writes like so many letters. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that later. What was his wife doing? She's like, what are you doing, honey? Yeah, well, I want to mention it because the book is very clear that the, the timing is what makes the whole thing strange because he wouldn't take a bath like early. But he can't take a bath early if he gets that phone call and then writes like eight letters to everybody. Yeah. I know. That's what I'm saying. His wife's probably like, what the fuck are yeah, you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm coming up there to wash your hair and scrub your back. It's just weird. Yeah, in general. Yeah. But they listen, they, they take showers and baths with the door open. Uh, he does not write it on the wall in this version for some reason. Mm-mm. He does not write it on the wall. But they did shoot it. They just didn't use it. Finally, we're with Bev, who is played by Jessica Chastain. Some really good casting there. Yeah, this would be the dream cast. Yeah. Um, it's who Sophia Lillis wanted, who played Beverly in the first film. And as I walked out of the theater, it's who I imagined would have been perfect for the role age-wise. And she does a really a really good job here. I think Beverly, like a, weirdly enough, like a lot of the adult characters, kind of gets underwritten because in a three-hour movie, which is a shame, because there's a lot to do here, and they're trying to squeeze in kid flashbacks as well. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with what they want to do. They're trying to incorporate some of that storytelling from the book, but the way they go about it isn't necessarily very strong. She's at her house, and Mike calls, and he has to get her to remember what happens. She's totally blanking on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. She packs her things and starts to head out, but she's stopped by her asshole husband who grabs her hair and chokes her. He's pretty violent with her. Yeah, yeah, and this distracts from the book and everything like that. There's an equivalent scene in the miniseries. She's not as violent. She defends herself against being hit by a belt. She kicks him in the face and knocks him over the head and then walks out in the rain as she shouts, you'll be nothing without me. Yeah, she does kick the shit out of him in the in the book. Good. Cuz yeah, it's cuz he there's more to the story in the book obviously. And he he eventually comes to Derry as well and everybody talks about how his face is just fucked up. You know, that's that's like the running gag that his face looks like he got the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. So Beverly certainly does get her licks in on this guy. But well, once again, once we leave here, this is sort of moot. Uh, the miniseries didn't do the storyline either. So um, it's certainly not the strongest part of it, but I did want to mention this is another change from the book Mm -hmm. is that her husband, Tom, is just gone. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't show back up again. We see a drainage pipe and it bursts with water and a bunch of little kids' corpses come spewing out. Henry pops out and he goes home. Yeah. So I I like this. This is, we talked about this last time Mm -hmm. that you thought, he was dead. Does he? I mean, and, and I, I nobody like, oh. can survive that. That's why I was like, no, no, he, he could, canonically, he cannot be dead. He's like he's in walking the next... around like nothing happened. Yeah, because otherwise that's a, that's a big, big change from the book. So, and, and they didn't do that. So obviously the same in the miniseries and the same here that he does survive. And I like, I like this scene of him coming home. Yeah, he goes arrested. home. He gets arrested immediately for killing his dad. And much like in, in the book, in the miniseries, he is arrested for that. And all the murders are pinned on him. And the book does go into detail that Pennywise apparently took time to frame him. Hmm. Yeah, because like one of the little girls who was missing, like her underwear ended up under his bed. And like some of the other evidence, like he had reasons for, but he had no idea how that happened. He just assumed it was the person he dare not speak of. Is That's how Bowers thinks of it. Like Bowers is aware of like Pennywise, but he will not say his name in his head. Yeah, he watches a red balloon float up into the sky. Yeah, Pennywise completely has him, so. Yeah. Sadly. Not that Bowers was a good dude, but maybe he didn't deserve to be taken over by an evil alien clown. 
We immediately go to present day when we're with Henry again, and he sees the same red balloon. So this is a big downgrade. I think this actor is doing a nice job trying to get the mannerisms of the younger actor, but he isn't particularly terrifying in this role. It just doesn't particularly work for me. I think this is a big downgrade considering how fantastic Bowers is as the young version. And he's just kind of nothing here in the older version. He doesn't even get his signature white hair that he had in, in the miniseries to differentiate him. He sees the same red balloon and goes crazy. He starts laughing hysterically and he ends up in his room and sees the same red balloon. The balloon pops and it's one of his bully friends, um, Hostetter? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Hostetter. That Pennywise killed, and he has his knife. It's a different zombie version in each one. It's it's Vic in the miniseries, and I believe it's Belch in the book. Yeah, it's Belch. It was Belch in the miniseries, too. No, it was Vic in the book. I mean, the miniseries. It was not Belch. His name was Belch. Huh? His name was Belch. Okay. Yeah. All right. I just warned it wasn't him. My, my, my mistake. Okay. The gang meets up at a Chinese restaurant. Same Chinese restaurant as the miniseries and everything, so. Yeah. Now, Bowers Escape is uh, fundamentally different. By the way, they do not do Pennywise talking to him in the moon, which they did in the miniseries, oddly enough, even though that's, yeah. that's pretty outlandish, but they did it in that one. They, they didn't do it here. And the Rottweiler kill, that is that is how it was done in the book. Mm. So um, he just was afraid of dogs. Yeah, Henry does escape, and he escapes with Hostetter. Yeah, zombie, zombie Hostetter, Hostetter is driving, which I did like. I like that, that image. Yeah. I like that image. Anyways, the gang's back at the Chinese restaurant. Ben and Bev have a moment outside. They all have food and drinks, and they joke around. It's a scene of merriment. <laughs> yeah, yes, merriment is how yeah. I put it. No, and, and this is how it should be. This is obviously we get a cheesy montage in the original. Uh, in the original, in the book, they do really have a great time reconnecting before they have to get down to business about talking why they're there. Bill Hader's really nice comic relief. Really, there is good chemistry here. It's just not as good as what we had in the previous film. They think it's weird that they now remember all the memories and somehow forgot them. The gang now starts to really remember Pennywise. Mike starts talking about it, but they don't really want to hear what he has to say. I, I guess one of the things that is different here, and, and well, we haven't talked about it, it's not like there's spoilers here. <laughs> if you've never seen It Chapter 2, you probably should do that before you listen to the show. But... The main difference is in the book, when they get here, they are aware that Stanley is dead. Yeah. And this is a shock to them in both film adaptations, which I think is an interesting change. Mm -hmm. And this is done directly via Pennywise here. Yeah. At this scene. Yeah. They open the fortune cookies and there's a message and they start putting the message together and it's about Stanley. And I think this is pretty well directed because I like that they're trying to guess what the message is and Beverly drops the missing piece that Stanley is her her word that she got out of there. Yeah, it says, guess Stanley couldn't cut it. Yeah. And then the other fortune cookies come to life just like they do in the miniseries. Just like they do in the book. It's different stuff all the way around, but th- I mean, the, the point is the exact same. Yeah, it's a baby fly, an eyeball, dead baby bird, a bat. There are dead heads in the fish tank. Mike starts screaming, it's not real, and hitting the table with a chair. And then they're snapped out of it by the... The hostess comes and like, what the fuck are you Yeah, doing? like... <laughs> She's like, can I help you? And reality, she'd be like, get the fuck out of my yeah, restaurant, asshole. Oh, shit. It's okay. They're all rich, except for Mike. They're all outside, and Bev calls Stanley. His wife tells the gang he killed himself. Richie and Eddie leave. They don't want any part of this. Mike pleads with Ben to stay and listen for him, to him. 
Yeah, I mean, this is—I mean, this is all this scene is supposed to do. Just give us some story info in in the way they have to find out exactly what happened to Stanley. Yeah, and of course, it fractures the group. We have probably my favorite part of this movie, and it's a scene with a little girl, and yes. she's yeah, she's on this in the stands with her mom watching a football game, and she's getting a little antsy, so she sees a, a firefly, and she goes and follows the firefly, and. Underneath the stands, where the firefly goes, is Pennywise. And he's completely surrounded by darkness. It's just his face. Yeah, just his face lit, lit entirely by the, the firefly. And that little bit of, uh, like a little flickering flame. I like it. And she's a little bit scared of him. Yeah. And she starts to walk away. But Pennywise starts crying. Yeah, yeah. This is incredibly well done. Yeah. Because P- Pennywise finds a different way to lure a child in. She has a particularly noticeable birthmark mm-hmm. on her left cheek, and Pennywise uses that to say that people call him ugly, too. And immediately he's able to connect with the little girl and win her trust. Yeah. And it's incredibly well played by Skarsgård, the way he does it, the way he just lures her in like that. And... It really is the movie's strongest scene, it and it's the most tense-filled, tension-filled part. Yeah, because you know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's not going to go well for her, sadly. No. And she eventually is drawn ever closer, and he literally bites the mark that he said he would just blow right off of her. Yeah, he says he can take her birthmark away, so she comes closer, and then closer, and he takes a bite right out of her head. Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't realize Henry escapes his cell and gets in the car with a zombie bully. I thought that happened earlier, but it, it happens here. <laughs> That's okay, because yeah. th- those scenes kind of continue. You know, it's just kind of parallel action cutting back yeah. and forth. But yeah, I understand. I thought they went together. It's not a big deal. It doesn't really affect the way the, the story goes. They We get the same place no matter what. So it's just parallel action going back and forth. Ben thinks Bev knew Stanley was going to die. And he asks her how she knows. And she she see, says she's seen um, them all die. This is at least something that references something that happened in the original film. Yeah. And this is going to be a problem as we move later on here, is they're going to start inventing some lore that wasn't in the original movie. And that is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Really unfortunate, because it just rings hollow. Yeah. Mike and Bill go to the library where Mike apparently lives. He's got like a place upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> That's so lame. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he just basically lives to investigate Pennywise in the yeah. town. That's all. He has no life, no, no wife, no ch- kids. He's dedicated his life to being the lighthouse keeper. He stole some 18th century relic. This is where we get stupid, and from Native Americans that has on it. So th- this is an odd sort of invention, but it's sort of to touch the mysticism and like the otherworldly nature of Pennywise. They're trying to kind of condense that into this, so. They kind of create this element, and I don't think it really works. No. I don't think it really works, and... Mike is all about this stupid thing, and... Yeah, it seems very foolish, and... And it doesn't even work in the end. It doesn't work. It's worthless. Yeah, I don't think this is... I think some of the art design here is kind of nice how they do it, but even then, I I don't think this is really the strongest kind of, like, stop-motion flashback. While Mike's telling Bill about his hallucinogenic vision of it, Bill starts to get a little woozy. Yeah, so he is. Uh, and he's dosed. been drugged. Bill, yeah, he's uh, Mike's a man on a mission. That's the one thing you have to appreciate is like even here and even in the book, like he's just sitting here waiting, hoping everybody gets their memories back so they can go fight this evil fucking clown and save the yeah. day. 
So, and he's still in that boat here. So he's got to take some extreme steps to make sure that happens. Yeah. He hold, holds things from them. Yeah. Like, yeah, they all get pissed at him at the end. Very much so. Mike has dosed Bill so he can see the same visions of it. It's really stupid and I hate it. The gang talks about Bev's visions. She remembers the dead lights. Mike thinks that they they need to do some tribal ritual of chud. Cannibalistic humanoids under Yeah. <laughs> they don't beat it with the cycle. They never will. So yeah, I mean this doesn't this doesn't really help the movie at all. Um it just it just really hurts it, so then they add this whole thing about the clubhouse. Like So yeah, we didn't they there wasn't a clubhouse in the other movie. And so that's a little weird. Yeah. And it's also weird because we get the kids back again. Mm-hmm. And like Sophia Lillis looks pretty much Sophia Lillis looks fifteen now. Yeah. <laughs> Watching Dungeons and Dragons. So I thought she still looked like she's fourteen. But some of the other kids don't. And they've been digitally de-aged, and their voices have been dubbed to sound like they did before. And it sounds weird, and they look a little weird. Yeah. Especially the kid playing uh, Ben. He is noticeably CG and de-aged. And I think, they even, I think he even kind of thinned out a little bit, and they had to kind of pack some pounds on him. It doesn't really work, you know, because then we have this, and they go through there. I mean, it's nice to see the kids again, and it's nice that they still have some of that chemistry, but... That kind of stuff makes it ring hollow. And the thing with the shower caps. Yeah. So, you know, Stanley didn't do anything with shower caps the first movie. No. You know, that wasn't anything that was established. If he'd had any other character trait, if they'd have grabbed his yarmulke from him having to read the Torah, which was referenced in that first movie, that would have been made more sense, you know, but that was that wouldn't have been strong enough either. So yeah. that was the problem with Stanley being dead. You couldn't establish anything new. So that was Stanley's relic. Yeah, that's Stanley's relic. Because in the book, once they go to dinner at the Chinese restaurant, Mike's like, all right, you guys get your memories back. Go walk around the town, you know, see what happens. Maybe you meet Pennywise. Maybe something jogs your memory back, but your memories have to come back for us to fight him. This movie has them, like, all take, like, a side mission. Yeah, side quest. A side quest. quest. Yeah, they all go on a side quest. Because even, like, Beverly, her story's the same. She's like, oh, she has to pry that thing so she can get her side quest item so she can continue on her mission. So, yeah, that, that's kind of how they all end up working out. And yeah. it's not great. Also, Mike doesn't get one. Why is Mike so underwritten in this movie? Mike does not get a vision quest. He doesn't get a relic to have to go here. He just has it. For He's just the annoying guy. Convenience of the story, right? He just doesn't get one. So, Also, at the very end of the movie, when everybody has their little horror segment, Pennywise tries them in, Mike doesn't get one. We know nothing about his character. Yeah, I think we've talked about the stupid clubhouse scene enough now. It's just... It just, it was so clunky. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was. In a movie that's almost three hours, things like that don't help. No. We're back with the adult versions. Mike says they each need to find their artifact and meet back up at the library. Bev goes to visit her old apartment where her dad lived. I think this was done better in the miniseries. Yeah. Well, and listen, the miniseries isn't very good. I think the biggest problem with this is twofold. One is they give away the scare. Yeah, they telegraph it. Yeah, because in the book and in the miniseries, Beverly doesn't realize until she sat down for a little bit that something's off. Like that horror of realizing you're surrounded by the danger. You're right there with Beverly when that moment occurs. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh shit, when you like both Beverly and me turn around reading that book, oh God. Like when we realize what's happened. And this movie immediately has Miss, oh, I forgot her name, has her move you know, in that CG jerky motion in the background 
So it's already established that she is some sort of some sort of Pennywise monster or Pennywise in disguise. So we we already know that. So we we're not going to get that same version. And because of that, it just leads to a jump scare with a really rough. Well, I guess not even rough. I would say just a really crappy looking big CG witch woman coming after her out of the darkness is what the gag basically boils down to. Yeah, and then in the middle of it, we get a, a flashback within a flashback, right? Yeah. Where we have a memory of her dad blaming her mother's death on her, Beverly. Yeah. And he sprays her with perfume all over and then, like, smells her. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we needed time to necessarily establish her dad was a dickhead again. I don't, yeah. I don't know if we needed to waste time on that. Yeah, like, what a really waste. Yeah, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things going on this week we should really get to, and that's not one of them. She opens a... a a baseboard where she used to hide things. She has to find her quest item. She finds cigarettes and Ben's poem and Ben's poem is a relic. Which makes sense. That's fine, I guess. That sure. one works. That one works. The old lady is acting weird. We got that whole scare. And I think, actually, this part is good. I like this. This is well done between the two of them. She sees a picture of Pennywise and the old lady. Nobody had her drinking shit, though. Drinking shit. Yeah, that's what it is in the book. It's a cup of shit that she hands. She, she takes a sip from it. And the second she does, the smell and taste of it, like, goes away. And she realizes what it is, and she looks back up to see, like, her teeth yellowing and, like, elongating in the book. That's when she realizes, and and Beverly spits out and throws it on the ground. It's blood in the miniseries, which is a good substitute, because I don't think you could do liquid shit in primetime. Yeah, that's... Even though it's so weird to me that Mike Myers got to drink liquid shit in the PG-13 movie. Like, how weird is that, that Austin Powers, he just drinks a cup of fucking diarrhea... PG-13 family entertainment. Yeah. I, you know, it's whatever. But I just wanted to mention that. That, that is another change here that I, I found amusing. The old lady attacks her as a tall, googly-eyed monster. It doesn't work. No, it, I, it, I don't, it's I don't the like worst it. CG effect. Yeah, this, this is like big diminishing returns here when I really think just somebody in, in, a, in makeup could have done a much better job, you know? I think they just continued a degradation of what's-her-face. I think that would have worked a lot better than this jump scare. She sees Pennywise and he tells her she's changed nothing. She runs out of the apartment and it's Richie. And, it, and, and then we're with Richie and he has a memory of being called a faggot after he plays a game with Henry's cousin. I, I like this scene, actually. This flashback kind of works for me. He's just eager to play with a, the new friend. Yeah, he has a vision of Paul Bunyan chasing him. Uh, the Paul Bunyan thing, that's for the book. That's for the book. I don't know they should have adapted that. No. <laughs> That, you know, that it's kind of like the the hedge maze animals in the shiny. Yeah. Like that was Kubrick was like, hey, I'll pass on that. You know, and that might have been one of those scares they maybe should have passed on. It does have one of the nicer jump scares, but I, it, it is. It is a better jump scare when he does show up. But I, and it does look nice. I, ju- I just don't think that, I think this feels a little silly as it goes on. Yeah, is the problem. It, it, it stiffens up when we go back to adult Richie and it's Pennywise on top of. Paul Bunyan. Yeah, he's on his shoulder. He tells Richie he knows his secret. And I imagine that's that he's gay. There's a Stephen King sighting. Yes, we do get a Stephen King cameo. And it's a fun cameo because he makes fun of himself. Yeah, he sells Bill the bike that he has a memory of riding. Which is a a true version of, of how it is in the book. He finds it at a pawn shop. Yeah, and he has a memory of riding the bike with Bev. And Georgie's in the flashback. He asks why he took Georgie. This is another one that that is fairly true to the book here. Um, that there is a scene where he does a chapter where he does taunt a Bill, yeah, about not being there for Georgie, and then there is a scene where he does the same thing with pretty much the same bit with the, with the adult version as well. It's not as intricate; doesn't have to reach down there, 
but this scene is a little bit different in the book. Like I said, it is done with the younger version of Bill, but not really with the older one. But here he has to reach down for the, even even though he knows George isn't there. Yeah. So, but he has to get the token, so he has to reach in there. It is a nice effect with a thousand baby hands coming on him when he reaches down to grab that from Pennywise. Yeah, he thinks he hears Georgie, and that's why he's there. He tries reaching for him, but a bunch of baby hands engulf his arm, pulling him through. He gets away as a kid's there. He pulls the kid away from the drain. The kid says he hears kids talking to him from the drain. And and see, this is in the book, except it doesn't have the scare in front of it. So Bill doesn't act like a fucking crazy man oh, in the book. Yeah. It's so stupid. Basically, this is just a scene to confirm to Bill the dire situation that the town is in. Yeah. Here's this kid who's perfectly innocent, just doing kid stuff. And he's heard Pennywise. Mm-hmm. He's on Pennywise's radar and he knows what that means. So, and that's all it is. You know, he tells him to be cautious, but McAvoy completely overplays this scene. And it's not necessarily his fault. I would assume it's written that way and he was directed that way. And I think this is a negative change. Yeah. I almost hate this little scene. Yeah, I, I hate it. Yeah, I really do. I almost hate this little scene. It's a really unfortunate change from what we did have. No, it's not necessary. Once again, completely unnecessary. Unnecessary. Then we get another flashback with Bev and Ben, and Bev starts calling him fat and disgusting, and then turns into a completely, like her head's engulfed in flames. I don't know if that's in the book or not, but stupid. I don't have any problem with the, the flamehead version, and I do love that little moment when he leans in to kiss her and she laughs in his face. Yeah. That's the real scare. Like, that's what he's really afraid of, being rejected by her. And Sophia Lillis plays it brilliantly, like just going right to evil. Yeah. She, she does a great job. Like you could just, it's like that Simpsons gag with Ralph. You can see the moment where his heart breaks right there. <laughs> she just really goes for it. And, and sadly, the actor playing Ben is, is really killed with that CGD aging. Mm-hmm. But his reaction is still nice. He has to go find the yearbook page. That's, that's, his, that's his token, right? Yes. Okay. It's, so, it's in his wallet. It's been in his wallet for forever. So he didn't really have to go find it. No, he didn't really have to find it. I think he just had to realize that that was his token. Okay. I I kind of thought about that when you said that. Like, wait a minute. He always had it. Yeah. He didn't have to go on this spiritual journey. Because they make a point of showing his wallet with the worn signature. Yeah. Yeah, because I believe Ben's vision quest, or I mean, I guess sometimes vision quest, where he does in the book is just, his is similar to what happens to Richie in the miniseries. He goes to the library and is sort of terrorized there by Pennywise. Yeah. Excuse me, that's what happens in the book. This is a new invention. And I kind of like the stuff, like I said, with Beverly. But uh, all in all, I feel like it's a bit of a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Sadly, older Ben doesn't really register too much here. No. We're back with adult Bev and Ben. Back and forth and back and forth we go. They talk about the past. Richie comes back and says he's not going to stay any longer. He's freaking out of there. Yeah, and I think I can understand why he would feel that way at this point. Eddie now has a flashback in the pharmacy of his mother calling him. She's in a basement with a bunch of broken glass and dirty needles. She's strapped to a chair. Across from them is a leper who comes closer and closer. Eddie can't save his mom and the leper gets her. So, yeah, he he is threatened by the leper again in the book, but it's not done like this. Um, this It's a weird scene. Yeah, this scene doesn't doesn't work work either, sadly. because I think it builds a decent amount of tension. And then it does that weird puke thing at the very end of it yeah. with the song. And I don't think that really works. 
Like, I, I mean, it just, it defeats the purpose of what it was trying to build towards. Yeah. Like, the tension's immediately diffused, and it's just not that it's big a comedic a moment? Yeah, I just, I don't know if that was the spot to really be comedic. As much as I do like the work done by the actors here, it, it's just, I don't know, it's really diminishing returns. I feel like they didn't have a great idea of what they wanted to do and just kind of came up with this. So they couldn't really do what they did in the book. Yeah. He's an adult again, and he chokes the leper who pukes all over him. Mm-hmm. The adult gang is back together. Bev and Bill share a kiss. A skateboard comes down the stairs, and there's a message from Pennywise on it. And then Bill takes off to save the kid. So, yeah, we, we had to establish that, that Bill has some sort of connection here and has to try to run to save this kid. And I think this is a good scene. A little rushed, but I think it's a good scene. I, I like him running down there and, and trying to freaking the kid out initially and then trying to save him in the, in the House of Mirrors. And let's not forget about Henry. Henry stabs Eddie in the face with a knife and then Eddie stabs Henry in the chest, but he totally walks it off. So I guess he's got supernatural powers now. Yeah, I do kind of like how this is played because he gets stabbed in the cheek and just goes into the shower and covers himself with the curtain. And Henry's just like laughing his ass off about the whole situation. And he just gets stabbed pretty much in the middle of the chest. Usually a fatal blow. Yeah, I would have thought it killed him. He pulls that shit out and just walks it off. Yeah, he just really shrugs it off and it's not a big deal for him at all. He just... I think he escapes out the window too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't just go out the front door. He escapes out the window because he goes out the front and I think it's, yeah, because it's Richie and Beverly who are out there that see them when he stumbles out. And then Bill goes to the carnival. Bill does go to the carnival. So we get this whole sequence here where he is trying to save the kid who is inside the house of mirrors and he does find him, but he's trapped behind said mirror. I like this scene. Yeah, I, I think this is really well yes. done. Pennywise sets in and the kid's unable to escape. and. Uh, the way it's played is really well done because it's just headbutts to this, win- the, this yeah, mirror right beside the kid until it shatters. And the second he does, the kid just turns into a blood mist. Yeah. Uh, Pennywise completely eviscerates him right there, right in front of Bill. But I mean, it was already personal. Yeah. Now it's even more personal. But this is at least a good scare and a good scene. We're back with Richie and he has a memory of Stanley's bar mitzvah. Yeah. I, I, I like this. This is, this is actually a good flashback. He makes, Stanley makes an impassioned speech. Mike has a flashback of his parents' death. Henry comes for Mike and tries to stab him. Richie stabs Henry in the head with an axe, killing him, and then immediately throws up. I do want to mention, by the way, because I know I'll forget that in the book, this is where the connection to The Shining comes into play with his Mike's parents, because Mike's father is uh, saved from the Black Spot Fire, which obviously doesn't occur in this version. He is saved from the Black Spot Fire by uh, Dick O'Halloran. The guy from who was the cook in The Shining. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to mention, and the reason that they are able to make it out of the black spot is he's able to use The Shining to figure out which exit they should use that they actually can get out of almost unscathed. They get burned, but I mean, everybody else gets burned to death. They they do make it out. And I do believe there is a burn mark somewhere on Dick O'Halloran, and that's how they explain it. Mike calls Bill, and he's all gung-ho to kill Pennywise. He goes to the house on Nebolt Street without everybody, but the gang shows up anyways. They know where he's going. Yeah, where else is he going to go? And they say losers stick together. Damn right they do. So they go into the house together, and they go and instantly get Kid Stanley zombified, shows up in front of Bill and Richie. Ben gets at home, carved into his stomach. Yeah, so we're, we're bouncing back and forth. The, yeah, the losers do separate. 
the losers do separate, which they said they wouldn't do. They, they separate so we can have, I think it's Bill and Beverly. I, I don't know who else is. Ben, Bev, and Mike. Uh, I do want to mention, by the way, the one difference here is because Richie was able to take out Bowers quickly, which Bowers is pointless. I mean, I understand he does get God in the book as well, but he incapacitates Mike. Mm-hmm. And Mike is the most knowledgeable person. Yeah. But the problem is you can't do that in this version because Mike's the only person who knows the, the ritual. So Mike cannot be incapacitated. So they they made that change just so they could do the ritual part. When in the miniseries, that hurts them because Mike is the one with the, has the most memories. So the losers have to depend on what he told them and their own imagination. Try to mm-hmm. Stanley's head turns into a thing reference. You've got to be fucking kidding Yeah, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And this is how it should be. Pennywise should use things that scared you, that scare you deep down in a horror movie that these guys probably saw when they were kids. A great way to do that. Yeah. And like I said, that really does hold. I just mentioned earlier that Pennywise transforms into Jaws in the late 80s. So he would certainly be able to use that against him. I really like that reference. And it's the one that holds the truest to me as a change because that's what he does in the books. Yeah. And it looks great, by the way. Great looking fact. It, it attacks Richie, and then Bill stabs it. Eddie just stands there in fear. Richie's trying to get Eddie to do anything, just help yeah. anything, and ben he's just stabs, standing there. Ben stabs it like a psycho. He just runs in there. It's like, ah! Just, just, just stabs that head like crazy till you get the, the floating blood. And yeah, like you said, Eddie's absolutely terrified. Yeah. Scared down to the core. But at least they're back together. They go through the sewers. Bev thinks she hears something. She gets attacked by the old woman from her apartment. Mm-hmm. In the depth is where it crept. The belief is in the relief. That was one of the Pennywise statements. Yeah. Mike says over and over, Richie gives Eddie a pep talk. They go into the well. Eddie is basically trying to stay above, and, and Richie's like, we go in all together. Mm-hmm. And, and I like this. Bill Hader really is fantastic. He's the best performance here. He has chemistry with everybody here. And he certainly does remind me a lot more of who the book Richie was, as opposed to what the miniseries gave us. Yeah. His performance gets across who Richie really is, because Richie is a cut-up, Richie is a clown, Richie does anything to make you laugh, but Richie loves his fucking friends. Yeah. And that is one thing I thought was missing from the miniseries. There's a scene in the book that I love, a chapter in there that I love, and it's the one time that Richie sees, the first time that Richie sees something supernatural, and he goes to show... Richie, the photo album, and they're flipping through it, and Bill just can't compose himself seeing the old pictures of him, and he just cries, and Richie just holds him and tells him it's okay and thinks like, God, I'd be so much worse if I lost a brother. I can't believe you're doing as well as you are. He does everything to try to pick his friend up in that situation, never judges him, and they eventually run into something scary, you know, and he's right there for his friend. You know, Richie's a good person, and you would you just think he was kind of an asshole in the other one. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love the way he's portrayed by Hater in this one. Yeah, he's really great. Absolutely love it. He's my favorite part. They find Pennywise's lair. And it's a little different from what it was in the miniseries. I like it. I know you had an issue in the miniseries because it was like, what was it? You thought it was too like fairy tale-ish? Yeah. Yeah, because there's like a little fairy tale door and everything yeah. you have to do to get there. I was okay with that either way. I think it works for, for the aesthetic of Pennywise, to be honest. I think both versions do for each character. I like Pennywise's lair in the first It Chapter 1. 
with the floating kids above the pile of kids' toys and bikes yeah. and all that, all that stuff. Trash and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I like that. That was good imagery. All right. There's more wooey woo stuff with Native American bullshit. Yeah, so here's where they, they're in his lair, and they actually try to deploy the this thing. Yeah, the, the ritual do, of Chud. Yeah, they, they hold hands, and they do the chant, the, what, the light stamps out the dark or something like that? Uh, what the fuck is that? Don't look at them! Are those the dead lights? Don't look at us! Okay, turn light into dark. Turn light into dark. Say it! Say what? Say it! Turn, turn light, light into dark! Light. That by our in way. The dark. Turn light into dark! I'm going to play it right now while underneath us. Just the clip of them chanting this. I don't think I wrote it. The, de- the deadlights come down, which I, I, is supposed to be Pennywise's true form here. And their chanting puts it into the contraption. The little they put leather. all the tokens into the fire. Oh, yeah. I forgot about it. They do put the tokens in there, even the ones that aren't going to burn. Don't forget about those shower caps. How much Stanley loved all those precious shower caps he wore all the time. Georgie's boat, Eddie's inhaler. All signed yearbook page, all all that bullshit. Beverly and Ben sort of realize, or pardon me, Ben always knows. We did miss that earlier that Ben got crushed when Beverly assumes that Bill wrote the. Oh, yeah. Because it makes sense. He's the writer. So I can understand why she would think that. And as a kid, she did have a little crush on Bill. Yeah. More so because he was the leader. And that reminded her of her dad. Hey, Stephen King wrote it. I'm just telling you what's in there. Ugh. Yeah, that's why she's married to that guy, Tom, because he looks like her dad and he beats her like her dad. They do the ritual of Chud. The dead lights appear. They chant. They look cool. Turn light into dark. There you go. The dead lights are caught into the Native American relic. Yeah, they're they're shoved in there. It's all over, but just a little bit of balloon. A red balloon comes right out and grows bigger and bigger and bigger, and it bursts, and they're all pretty much shell-shocked from it. Yeah, yeah. I love them asking, did it work? Did it work? Like, no, guys. It pretty much didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, because Pennywise immediately comes in, did it work? Did it work? I I like that. And it's great, too, because they're already starting to show the scale that Pennywise is like 15, 20 feet tall Mm -hmm. in this form. He mocks them. Pennywise says he missed the gang. And he's a giant spider clown. He chases them all around the lair. So uh, of all the CG I mocked this movie, this Pennywise CG spider clown looks really good. Yeah. They mocap. By the way, that is Skarsgård is doing all yeah. those movements. They mocapped him doing all that. And it, it, it really looks like he sold all into it like a lot of great actors do. And it, it shows. It works because the movement looks good. His facial animations look like he does. Mm-hmm. It's really well done. And poof, you just don't get a lot of those big budget effects in a horror movie. Yeah. It looks great. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. Bill gets thrown into the water. They end up, the gang ends up at the three doors that, that that say scary, very scary, and not so scary. Yeah, so everybody sort of gets thrown into their own horror vignette. Yeah. If you've ever seen Bill and Ted's bogus journey, there's a moment when they have to pick a hell, and they all get like a room. That's what just happened in Losers Club. They all get a room, except for Mike. Yeah. <laughs> the dark man, he doesn't get a vision. Yeah, he doesn't get mine. a he doesn't get a token quest. He doesn't get a nightmare vision. You just be lucky to be in this movie, all right? <laughs> <laughs> He's only the thing that's propelling the movie. Yeah, it's very I have no idea why they gave Mike the shaft in this, but it is sort of weird the black guy doesn't get a lot yeah. of story. I'm just saying cuz he's a good shaft in the book. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, he's the fucking narrator. He's the most important person in the story. Yeah. Besides Pennywise. Bev ends up in a public bathroom. Ben ends up in the clubhouse. Richie and Eddie are picking the doors. 
The door they cho- chose has a cute dog. So yeah, by the way, I, I did want to reference. This is a, a reference to the original, the first movie. It is not scary, scary, very scary. Yeah. And the first movie they picked not scary. So this one they go for very scary. And the, okay, I do want to say the very scary door is the bottom half of that little girl whose name I just forgot. Ripson. Ripson. Betty Ripson. It is the bottom half of Betty Ripson who we saw the top half of hanging yeah. in the first movie. Why would they be scared of the bottom half of a little girl? I don't know. Yeah, like they are horrified by that. Like you just give it a kick. <laughs> like t- take one leg, throw it to the side, and run through that door. This was a nice joke in the first movie. I understand the callback here, but I don't think it really works. It just leads to a Chihuahua joke, right? Mm-hmm. Or the Pomeranian. Pomeranian. Joke. Yeah, the Pomeranian becomes a monstrous Pomeranian. Ooh. Yeah. And that's about it. It it it's a it's a waste here when the finale is trying to pick up a little momentum. It loses momentum. Mm-hmm. Bill ends up in his basement talking to Georgie. This is cool. Yeah, he, I love this. He talks to Georgie, and he ends up grabbing him and drowning him. It's really well done. He puts puts him to rest. You know, physically and, in, you know, emotionally as well. He's able mm-hmm. to put that creep behind him. It's really well done. But it doesn't stop here, which sucks. No. Yeah. He just he just should have, like, dissolved out of that into, like, I made it through. But then he has to, like, use the the cow killing gun or whatever, the livestock the killing gun. thing, the bolt gun, to take out his younger self for some yeah, reason. Yeah, for some reason. That doesn't work at all. No. But once again, the movie doesn't know when to stop. A bunch of blood starts coming in Bev's stall. Which apparently they did totally practically. I saw a ton of footage of like Jessica Jestain struggling in a fuck ton of fake blood, trying to act and kick her way out of there. And the blood looks so phony. Yeah. It really looks like bad CG. And she was really in there. So what do I know, right? Wow. Yeah. But I mean, she really did it, but I don't think it looks great. Ben is being buried alive and Pennywise shows up. By the way, that's why you want an Oscar. You want to throw yourself in fucking blood for a day and a half. Yeah. That's got to be fucking miserable. Ben recites the poem, which... Gives Beverly strength. She pulls him out. Bev realizes Ben wrote the poem. Bill shoots his young self in the head. We we got that scene. We had to go back to it. Oh, yeah. I, I know. I, I try to... not together. Yeah, I try to put it's them all hard. together here. Yeah. They, they, it makes logical sense, maybe, to yeah. finish the scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's what you want to do as a screenwriter. You do parallel action. That's that's screenwriting one-on-one. Something's happening here. This happens here. Together. Duh, 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 bam. Makes it seem exciting. That is the idea of that kind of screenwriting. And it works, but for us as a recap, it's fucking annoying as shit. But yeah, that, that is it. They they come together, January embers, they know the poem. Yeah. They do not have a kiss here because Beverly is covered in blood. Mm-hmm. So that was a smart call. And also they don't have great chemistry. No. John Ritter and Annette O'Toole had much better chemistry. Yeah. They had that really nice scene in, they don't have an equivalent of that scene in this movie where John Ritter went up to her and- you know, she she's giving him the poem and she wants to tell him that she loves him. And he's like, is that you or is it the clown? You know, I, I, I love that scene because it just gives him a moment to like, it's me. I'm here. I love you and love me. They don't have that moment here in this one. Yeah. You know, and, and that's with all the time they have. They just don't really have a moment to get to that. And that's kind of a shame because I think this love story is left just on the wayside. It's about the friends. I understand that, but. They're back at the lair. The lair. Pennywise shows de- his deadlights to Richie, and he starts to float. Yeah, I do like Richie comes out there and calls him like a, a bitch ass punk, or yeah, you know, and he goes out there and like throws a rock right at him immediately. It's Richie with the deadlights who just goes ah yeah. and like shits his pants, urinates all <laughs> over himself at that moment, <laughs> like ah, lifted and then like. <laughs> 
And then it's Eddie to the rescue. Yeah, Eddie takes a spear of some sort. Because he does not have this inhaler's battery acid moment. Yeah. It's in the book and in the miniseries. He doesn't have that moment. So he does this, if this spear, if I believe it can kill monsters, it can kill monsters. And he javelins that thing right into the deadlights. Yeah. Uh, hits him, saves uh, saves Richie, and he Pennywise is impaled on like a part of the crash site. Mm-hmm. Like he knocked the fuck out of Pennywise with that. Eddie thinks he killed Pennywise. He stops the lights, and, but he gets impaled by Pennywise. Yeah, he just he fucking throws his claw right into him. He taunts the Losers Club with the not the corpse, just the body of him. He's still alive. Before he just gets him and throws him all the way to the side. Yeah, and then they they get their plan where they. They're going to make Pennywise small. Yeah, this is like the most bullshit thing in the world. They just come up with like, what's the line? They're like, physical mass has to obey its size no matter what. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Yeah. Like, you just can't fucking throw that shit at me now. This movie, despite, so there's all these running jokes. You know, we missed it in the scene with Stephen King where they talk about not being able to, Bill can't have a good ending because that's the joke on Stephen King. Mm -hmm. And this movie wanders right in that same trap of not having a very good ending. They just don't really know how to get rid of Pennywise because this plan isn't great. Yeah. And visually, it doesn't look fantastic. No. So what this entails is they, they want to bring him like through a corridor so he'll change size, and that doesn't work. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of down with that idea. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like turn him into a snake and then just start kicking him. You know, it's whatever. It's what they, you know, you saw in the miniseries. They just kick the shit out and pull his heart out. But that can't work. Mm-mm. So what they do is they just don't believe he's big, is the solution, correct? Yes. So they insult him until Pennywise gets smaller. He gets changes shape and gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, and he does eventually form like a nice little tiny Pennywise uh, pancake. Yeah, head pancake. Yeah, I did kind of like that. And they, they pull his heart right out of him, and they all crush it. Yeah, they all grab and squeeze it, and Pennywise melts away. And then Eddie dies. Yeah, Eddie died somewhere in the middle of this of this act. And I love that Richie won't leave him. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, he just need to get in the hospital. Like Richie's gone. But I love the way he plays that. Like he just, like he just won't. Like he saved his life. He saved his life, and he couldn't return the favor. Yeah. The layer starts to break apart, and they leave Eddie's body and get out of there. Richie crying for Eddie the entire way up. Yeah, the house implodes on itself, and then they go. Or swim, and they, they jump go back off to the, rock quarry. the same cliff yeah. they did as kids. They go back to the rock quarry. And then oh, there's a scene where Ben and Bev kiss. They kiss under the water. I do like this because they're trying to make jokes, but Richie can't make any. And there's a great friendship hug. Yeah. You know, the Losers Club, you know, one last time together. I do, I do like that. It's well played by everybody here. And it's the best chemistry the cast has. We get yet another flashback course we gotta can't leave this movie alone a phone conversation between mike and bill uh movie <laughs> won't end they exchange i love yous bill gets a letter from stanley so this is where the stupid letters come in so yeah the movie should have just rolled to black i mean the first movie oh when they kill God. pennywise they have a scene where they have to mention like i saw this and this in the deadlights and we're gonna make a promise to come back in 26 years and that's it this movie has a lot more fall in action when I think we're yeah. about ready to get out of three at two and a half at two hours and 45 minutes. We see Bev and Ben end up together. Sure. Why not? Makes sense. And then the movie still goes on and on and it's blah, blah, blah. 
I do like Richie recarving the initials. Yeah. Him and um him and, and Eddie's initials. I think that's a really sweet scene. And then the movie's finally over. Yeah, the movie is finally over. Yeah, we we did it. We went through that massive fucking movie. Oh, did you mention Mike leaves Dairy for the first time? Yeah. Yeah, Mike leaves Dairy for the first time, which I I like. I like that. Would you like to say anything else about this long opus? I think this is worse than the second half of the miniseries. I agree. Because they were able to incorporate the kids a little bit more organically. I think a few more storylines were, were well done in that one. And listen, I don't, I don't really like that second half of the miniseries. I don't either. And I don't really care for this version either. This, this has, like I said, the same problem that miniseries does have. Except it has weird looking kids and it, weirdly enough, wastes more time. It's a lot longer than that version and tells the same amount of story in a much more boring way. And I think that's yeah. incredibly unfortunate for everything they had. There's a few gems here and there's some nice acting, but beyond that, I just don't find the film to be incredibly watchable and I'll watch chapter one all the time and put that on my Halloween playlist or any for any time of the year, but I'll rarely ever get to this film ever again after this. Yeah, that's what I would recommend. I'd recommend watching the miniseries because you just have to see Tim Curry and you just have to see the origins of what you see in the 2017 um, It at chapter one. But all in all, I would say watch It chapter one and then just leave chapter two aside. Just don't even watch it because it's not needed. It's all, like I said, it's yeah. all recycled. Yeah, chapter one tells a story that is perfect. You can just kind of end it right there. Yeah. It's a shame. It's a missed opportunity for a brilliant a job as they did adapting the original film and doing that. They just weren't able to put that same magic together for this one. And it just comes up to be a bit of a long, boring mess. Sadly, yeah. so, real sadly, I, I, yeah, I, I was rooting for this film and I was very disappointed in the theater and I liked it a little bit less this second viewing. Mm -hmm. I did not go back and listen with commentary track. I try to do that, but it, at three hours, it was tough to try to fit that it's in my schedule hard. this week. Yeah, yeah. it was. I mean, I, I put a lot of time and effort into it. I, I read, I read it, guys. That took a lot of time. Yeah, it took a lot of time. You so, did good. Yeah, so I, I recommend reading the book. I, I think it, it has some weaknesses here, but it's still recommended reading if you're a King or a horror fan. All right, some trivia for you. Lay it on me. Bill Hader was unaware that Bill Skarsgård <laughs> can actually move his eyes in two different directions. Hader asked Skarsgård what kind of editing was done to achieve that effect. Skarsgård, in full costume and makeup, responded by saying. Oh, you mean this? And showed him how he could do it naturally. And it startled Hater. Yeah, there's a picture of this, by the way. Is there? Of Hater, like, oh, like being startled right by it. <laughs> so it's, uh, and th this is one of the true joys of any of the behind the scenes footage is Skarsgård just being a delight in full Pennywise costume. Yeah. Because like, he's all gentle and everything with the kids. Are you okay after every, you know, you know, cause I want to mention people don't realize like acting is a really physical thing. Mm -hmm. Like when you lunge at somebody to kill them, guess what? You're throwing your body at them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as an actor, you, it's like a professional wrestler. You're putting a lot of faith in that other person to make sure they keep you safe mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. And he was, you know, manhandling those kids. He was always very careful to be like, you're all right. You're doing Okay. You know, he was a consummate professional and great with the kids and everything like yeah. that. Everybody, everybody in the cast really, really likes Skarsgård a ton. Most of the young losers had their body hair shaved and had to raise the pitch of their voices for the second film. So more of that yeah. body modification. I shaved my entire body while I watched it chapter two. <laughs> when adult Richie enters the abandoned theater, there is a shot where an old dilapidated You've Got Mail 1998 poster is behind him. 
If you look closely, the torn parts of the poster spell it. Oh, nice. Yeah. At 169 minutes, this film is the longest horror film given a wide theatrical release. It's just not... Actually, yeah. Now I think about it, that that may be right. I, I don't know if I can think of another... I know The Wailing is longer, but that's a Japanese movie. Yeah. Seth Green, who played young Richie in the TV movie, expre- expressed interest in playing the adult Richie. But he didn't. He lost it to Bill Hader. That wouldn't work. He didn't look like What's-His-Face. Yeah. He didn't look like What's-His-Face at all. According to Andrew Muschietti, Muschietti, the film has over four hours of footage, which had to be cut down to two hours and 49 minutes. Machete states that he plans to use the unused footage and scenes not yet filmed for a possible future film related to the It franchise. Yeah, I know there's always been rumor of like a dairy movie. Yeah. There was talk at one point like a dairy miniseries. Hmm. Just like a TV show basically about like the off years. The, the odd. Yeah, the, the years that Loser's Club wasn't around. I'd be down for like a period piece, Pennywise story. Yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah, said it. You, well, you can go back to the 50s and you can do the story then since this movie put everything in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that'd be neat. Yeah, you can do that in one of the 50s and do one in the in the 20s. James McAvoy injured himself for real doing his fight scene with Pennywise, suffering a double thigh strain. At one point, McAvoy shared a pic of his Instagram page of bags of ice on his thighs. Oh. Yeah, you get older, sometimes things just snap. Yeah. <laughs> I think McAvoy's a young dude, but yeah, of course, he ends up playing a 40-year-old author in this one, so that, that's about... That's his age range, and so sometimes that happens when you're doing physical stuff mm-hmm. in your 40s. You get hurt. There were rumors at one point Bill Skarsgård would not be returning to play Pennywise in the film due to concerns that the role was negatively affecting his mental health. However, a week before the first film was released, Skarsgård confirmed that he was officially attached to the sequel. Yeah, because I would assume this sequel got greenlit the second, like, the Friday yeah. numbers came back. Probably even before that. Probably oh, pre-ticket sales. They were already contacting Machete to be like, no, no, we, we need to make sure we get this off the ground. Yeah. Like, we, you need to start writing Chapter 2 this weekend. Like, you celebrate tonight, you start writing tomorrow. Yeah. Bill Hader pulled a muscle in his groin while filming a scene where the losers had to run, requiring him to get an MRI for his st- and for his stunt double to take over for the day. It's weird to think he had a stunt double for this movie. Yeah. But yeah, there's physical stuff in it, so. Jack Dylan Grazier was 4'11 when filming in It in 2017. He was nearly 5'6 when filming this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The kids really grew. Yeah, well, that's what happens in a couple of years. Especially when you're at that age. Yeah, you, yeah. Grow, you grow like crazy. Yeah, you really do. Yeah, you can grow a foot in a year I mean, and look at our daughter. Years. Yeah. She's growing like motherfucker. In an interview on Good Morning America while promoting the film, Bill Skarsgård stated at the start of the filming he would FaceTime with his then-newborn daughter while wearing his Pennywise makeup. The audience gasped at this, to which he assured them that she wasn't scared at all. Yeah, why would she be scared? Yeah. yeah why would she? It's like that scene in um, The Hills Have Eyes when the baby plays with a gun. Yeah. You know what that is? Just a shiny thing. Well, it's just daddy and funny makeup. She doesn't know. All right. Reviews on this sucker. We got 3.6 user review, 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. That's what I did. And here is a 10 out of a 10. Just notice much lower scores than what the original film got. Yeah. This recent incarnation of It's Not Scary, but I still love both films regardless. They feel really true to the 80s, 90s adaptations of King, which are indefinitely flawed and stray from the origin stories as well. And arguably, they are not very scary either. There is a massive preference for humor over scares in the second installment, which I actually think is a wise move. 
It starts off uncomfortable and dark with a homophobic attack from the book, and you think it has also come of age and that the film will be more adult in theme. But as soon as the losers are back together, you also feel like you're in the company of friends again. It becomes like the first film, a story of friendship and overcoming personal demons rather than a horror story. I was worried the adult cast would ruin the warm feelings I had for the losers because the kids were so great. I would only question Mike's portrayal, which is unhinged, and considering he plays a pivotal <laughs> role in the book as a narrator, he comes across like he's just lost his mind. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. He is a much different, a much different and inferior character here. He's the least likable or noticeable character. I'd say I'd say Ben's pretty close, but I agree. The book gives the black guy the only voice for once by making him the narrator, and that is completely diminished in his, this film, which I do have a problem with. Derry is a rotten and prejudiced place, regardless of whether the clown has an influence over that or is to blame for that. I don't believe no. it is because I think King was commenting on the evil in humanity and the clown just takes advantage of the fear we create. In our yeah, own and, and I do want to mention, since that guy brought that up, that is firmly really established in the book. Like the, the, the fire at the black spots, all about his, or, or pardon me, I was going to say the clan. They don't have the clan up in Maine, but this is like the Northern version, something about like the purity force or something like that. The white race support, something, something that's who starts that fire there. Pennywise pushes things along, but it's that, that racism that plays a big part of it. So he's hundred percent right there. It's important to keep that in the forefront. It always is going to be relevant. It feels like the same kind of production as Christine and thinner and Dreamcatcher and stand by me and creep show and the original pet cemetery. And the King cameo helps this film feel like it's nostalgic, warm, and a familiar place to be. Did he just put thinner on that list? Yeah, he did. Mm. We are back in Maine and back in King's Bazaar and Surreal Realm, where he, let's face it, even if it was perfect adaptation of the book, everyone would still exit the cinema with the similar questions. He really loved the movie. He did, but he, but he, he, did, he did. Yeah, he did bring up a, a very valid point about that. Mike gets the shaft, and you know I do have to mention the black man does get the shaft in this movie. He doesn't get the storylines the other characters get, and his character is kind of assassinated. Mm -hmm. He's the lighthouse keeper. He's the most honorable of all the losers. All of them went on to great success and fortune from defeating the monster of Pennywise, and he didn't do that because someone had to keep watch. Yeah, you know because if the, if the losers don't stop him, every single time these twenty-seven year streaks come in, there's a huge, there's a fire at the black spot. The, the Easter thing in the first movie they mm -hmm. talk about explosion. There's always something like that, a big event that finally sates Pennywise's hunger and lets him go back. Yeah. And they didn't get that version in 58 or 88 or 89 in this one because he was killed. And so I think that is another thing in this movie that just doesn't really translate. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah. I just don't like this movie. I don't recommend it and it just leave it, leave it alone. Yeah, it, it is a disappointment. Very much so. Um, it's so long. Yeah, it's very long. I said, if you're a completionist and don't want to know the end of the story, there are a few nice moments here. There's some good performances, but I think the writing really hurts this movie, and it's just not as strong as adaptation. Yeah. That's all. You know, and also, once again, if you're looking for closer to the book, yeah, there are a few things that are closer here and there, but the miniseries overall is generally more accurate. Yeah. So, and be that as it may... That wraps up it for us. Uh, See, so yeah, no Ebert review. Sadly, Ebert didn't review TV shows, and Ebert did not was not alive in 2017. Yeah, Ebert was very much dead in 2017, <laughs> in 2019. So he did not get a chance to take a look at these movies, but he probably would have liked the first one. Yeah, I think he would have. Yeah, I think he would have too. It's a really good movie. Yeah, I would watch it again. I've had Pennywise on the brain for about a month now. Yeah, I've been reading the book for a while. It's it, it you know it's it's tough to find time to 
to read and it's a lot of book. It's yeah. 1100 plus pages. It's a lot of book. If you don't like it, I, like I said, I did mention last week, Stephen Weber does apparently a really great job with the audiobook. I'd recommend picking that up. It will be a 40 hour endeavor to listen to Stephen Weber tell you the story of Pennywise and the Losers Club, but apparently that is a very good way to do it. So, hmm. you know, just letting you know if you, if you want to explore it and you don't want to necessarily spend a lot of time reading that, or one of the big things that I ran into was just carrying an 1100 page book around. I have, I have it in my camera bag a lot of times where I stick a book, it would not really fit in there. I had to clear things out to make it fit. So that was kind of a pain, but I did enjoy it. I enjoyed this whole thing, really, even with the miniseries being a bit down and this even being a down experience. I still really love going back to Derry and finally reading the book and watching these and doing that deep dive into one of Stephen King's greatest works. Yeah. So I enjoyed that immensely, and I never would have done it had not been for the show. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Yeah, we love it. Great. We love it. We're going to continue to do it, even if we have five people listening. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really matter. The fan base grows a little bit more, but, you know, we're, we're all about it. We're excited to talk about it. Hey, I think we're providing good content if you really want to know about these movies. I think I really think we do. Next week, what do we have on the docket? We're doing one of my favorite movies and one of your favorite movies. Yeah. yeah. Suspiria. The only thing scared in the last 15 minutes of the first 75. Yeah. I'm going to hit the music right now and post. I did not grab the Suspiria music, but I love the Suspiria music. I used yeah. to listen to the soundtrack on the with cuz it came with the old Anchor Bay DVD. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to I'm going to prop you up on oh, your yeah, well, yeah, soundtrack. We're, we're, yeah, I know you're going to go yeah, off we're, about. We're going to talk about the we're going to talk about the goblins a lot next week. <laughs> we're going to talk about cuz we'll talk about them there. We'll talk about them when we do Dawn of the Dead, which is a big special episode we'll do way later on. Yeah. But this is our one like the biggest special episode that we've done so far. It's over. I, I Like I said, if you want to let us know what we missed, what things in the book I didn't bring up or what I forgot. And because trust me, I'm sure there's probably yeah. things I did forget. And th- th- even now, I think there's a few things I did get to on my notes, but we're already in an hour and a half. So it's time to get the hell out of here. Yeah. So with that being said, you can let us know a couple of ways. Uh, grittyrebootcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email to list everything that I missed and how much I suck yeah. <laughs> in fine detail. Or if you're looking for a more quick, casual message, we are uh, Gritty Reboot on Instagram and at TikTok as well. Hell yeah. And you can always find me, Pedro Amador, at Threads and at Twitter. Cool. I'll probably not respond to Threads. I don't use it that much anymore. But still, hey, I'm, I'm there. Meredith, what are your socials? I don't have socials. Fuck social media. That's right. <laughs> we don't need it. Oh, wait, we do. Please subscribe, like, and comment. You guys know how podcasts work. I don't have to tell you. We're working our butts off here. Please just give us a good review. Come yeah, on. Yeah, come on. <laughs> With that being said, guys, we hope you have a good one. Avoid, avoid Maine. Just don't go. Maine is like, after reading all of King's works, Maine is like the most terrifying place in the world. That's where he's from. That's right. That's how Jackie Chan viewed uh, Canada after watching Cronenberg movies. He said it's got to be a terrifying place. Oh, my God. That's a fun little story. We haven't, we haven't done Cronenberg yet, so uh, I, I've, I've got tons of Cronenberg. I've read two books about Cronenberg, so i got lots of stories. He doesn't do any reboots. His famous, most famous film is a reboot. The Fly. Oh. Yeah, The Fly. Mm. Yeah, The Fly got rebooted, yeah. And we'll have to cover him again because um, Shivers got rebooted. Mm. Not Shivers. Uh, Rabbit, got, Rabbit got rebooted with CM Punk. Yeah, I know you won't. Pre- the Saska sisters did it, so I, I don't know how good it'll be. But anyway, guys, we we're trying to sign off, and we didn't do that. So no. Bye, you guys, guys enjoy yourself, and, and you guys enjoy spooky season. <laughs>